All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the actual Anarchy Podcast, podcast where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective. Tonight is going to be kind of a tanden- tangentially Halloween episode for us. There's one scene in this film we're going to be talking about that is related to Halloween, and well, that's all it takes for us, to be quite honest. Uh, we're doing The Karate Kid tonight on episode 152 of the show. You can find the show notes more at actualanarchy.com slash 152. Before we get into last night's personal show and introduce our wondrous guest, let's say hello to my my sparring partner, Robert, how are you doing, sir? The one and only, the original, that cannot be duplicated. Yes, hello, I'm here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah, okay. so we're going we're gonna to wax on and we're going to wax off and strike first, strike hard and have no mercy on this movie tonight, I think. It's, it's, this could be a long one, including the Kathleen Turner Overdrive, because our guest is fired up and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, she's got juice and she knows the movie inside, outside, and every other which way. So it'll be a good one. And I... Having watched the movie last night, I was surprised at how well it held up, how just strong this entertainment is. And there's a lot to dissect if we really want to get into it. So it should be good. I think we do. So why don't we get into that last night's portion of the show and uh, we will introduce our guest in mere moments. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, The Last Nighters. And The Last Nighters are part of the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. The the is important in that URL. So please put the Launchpad Media dot com in there and then you'll see our smiling faces as well as the smiling face of our guest tonight who is coming on for the karate kid she is one half of the dynamic duo from the blast off which johnny rocket show it's not johnny but the other one the better looking one the Raylene Lightheart one on this episode 96 of the show. Find the show notes more at lastnights.com slash 96. Raylene, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell everyone where they can uh, hear more about you or find your work and, uh, you know, do the old intro stuff. You you, you do that a lot. I, I should, honestly. Um, yeah, Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. You can find us on all the podcasters and uh, so supportblastoffshow.com, supportblastoff.com. Um, and you can also find us on the Launchpad Media, the launchpadmedia.com and you'll find our show it's super fun we talked to lots of cool people um daniel's been on our show actually it was fun i like him he's cool yeah right? you, and you, had, for him. you yeah. had ron paul on also so you we know. did it was amazing on our 50th uh show it was really cool so um you know i i'm not a, a i wouldn't say i'm a professional i i just really like austrian economics i love liberty i'm all about that anarchy yo so uh and karate kid Right. Or yeah. or the Karaki kid is what I'm going to call it tonight because it's the same director as the Rocky franchise. And uh, I in, in some ways, this seems like it's perhaps even the same movie, just <laughs> set in a different scene or, you know, a different setting. So yeah. any- did, did you know that Karate Kid was kind of a slam in the movie? 
um, the only time the words karate kid were uttered were by the the poor neighbor kids that took him to the beach party when he failed at his first fight. And they, they, they saw him later and they called him the karate kid. Oh, but derisively, right? Like making fun of him. That's right. So when you say karate kid, you know, we all think the badasses because Daniel son, and of course we all wanted to be Daniel son on some level. And then the, the term karate kid, I think it's actually like a Marvel character that they had to get the rights for. But in the movie, you'll hear the term once and it's, being said to him like a slam it's kind of cool all right so I, I hate to correct a guest but it's dc all right it was it dc <laughs> thank you no I, I i read about that last night i, I don't know this uh, robert is the comic book nerd um, yeah i don't know for sure i just know it was a comic book and thank you for correcting me <laughs> yeah and you guys are freaking me out right now because i've never heard this and never knew that so this is cool i, I this is the first time i think i've ever <laughs> learned anything on this podcast so i just want to <laughs> well i only knew kinda. Yeah. Right. And and I only knew to correct her. And that's that's as far as my the extent of my knowledge goes. But I before... love being mansplained too. <laughs> wow, you sound like my wife uh, on that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh anyway, we usually start off with uh, the old Google description and that, that kind of gets the ball rolling here. So if uh if you don't mind uh my guest and my co-host, we're gonna be talking about the karate kid tonight. Came out in nineteen eighty four to drama sport movie, two hours and seven minutes. 7.2 on IMDb, 88% Rotten Tomatoes, and 93% Google users. The description is thus, Daniel, played by Ralph Macchio, moves to Southern California with his mother, Lucille, but quickly finds himself the target of a group of bullies who study karate at the Cobra Kai Dojo. Fortunately, Daniel befriends Mr. Miyagi, played by Pat Morita, an unassuming repairman who just happens to be a martial arts master himself. Miyagi takes Daniel under his wing, training him in a more compassionate form of karate and preparing him to compete against the brutal Cobra Kai. Came up July 5th, 1984 in Argentina in the initial release. The director is John G. Avildsen, who also did the Rocky series. And uh, the feature song is You're the Best. So speaking of the best, Robert, let's get your take on the Google description and we will go to Raylene, who is also the best. Yeah, so this is this is a hero's journey film and it does it's kind of like a hero's journey film by numbers. You got your downtrodden like hero who's like down on his luck and he's just trying to make his way in the world. And there's a whole lot of training to actually become good. And we get to know our hero in that whole series of events where he's training with Mr. Miyagi. And then, of course, he triumphs in the end. But one of the great things about this film that struck me while I was watching it last night was that, and then it's been like eight and done by so many other films, but done worse, is that the, the antagonist, Johnny, he doesn't like Daniel but he has an actual specific motivation and reason why he doesn't like him. It's not just because Daniel's like a <laughs> awkward gangly nerd and he's just a bully. He likes to pick on awkward gangly nerds and beat them up or whatever. It's because he's got his heart broken. And this guy is the new guy that's vying for his girl's attention. And, you know, he, uh, when the first time they kind of come into conflict, it's on this beach and he wants to go up and he wants to talk to his girl. And she's like, I don't want to talk to you. And I've got the stereo and I'm just going to listen to this music. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to. And then the conflict comes from there. And then, you know, Karate Kid comes in and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is her stereo. And I love this talk later because it's essentially they make like this property rights argument later on. But yeah, it's uh, the, the characters are for all of its cheese and it leans into its cheese. Don't get me wrong. It's not like the ultimately best written movie of all time, but it gets so much right that it, it holds up after all this time and you can see why it was so influential. It's, it's, uh, 
it's really good stuff, man. All right. Very good. Well said. And uh, Raylene, what's your take on the description and anything that Robert has said? Yeah, I think this movie has heart. And I think that's what people love about it. <clears throat> uh, first of all, it's uh, a kid from maybe the wrong side of the tracks, but uh, fish out of water. He's new in town. There's socioeconomic differences between <clears throat> the, the group of kids that bully him. And, you know, this movie was based on a true story, a headline that the, the writer read about a kid that became a karate champion or a martial arts champion because he was bullied. So I think that that is something that speaks to all of us that, that we want to see the underdog win. And I think that's what the story's about and him grappling with the ideas of revenge versus self-defense. Um, I think that this, ha this story is NAP written all over it. And I think that that's why everybody loves this movie. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of what you just said. And it's interesting because Daniel is seeking to be able to fight so that he can seek revenge. But Pat Morita is like, well, you know, he, he almost goes Jordan Peterson on him a little bit. And he's like, no, if you have the capacity to defend yourself, then you'll you'll earn their respect. And then, you know, because you have the ability to do harm, but then you choose not to, then they will give you that respect and no longer uh, be aggressive towards you. And I felt Absolutely. like that was a, a really good message that... Mm -hmm. um, probably gets lost on a lot of people. And this was probably a lot like Top Gun, how um, it like brought a whole new interest in the field of karate. Like I'm sure that this had a, an influence in a lot more activity in people signing up to do karate in the eighties, just like Top Gun was like a, a fighter pilot recruitment tool. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> to relate this to a movie we did a couple of weeks ago where the Woody Harrelson character um, talks about that you dig two graves and I forget what he said, but he said something totally wrong about it. But you know, the philosophical point was, well, if you're seeking revenge, then you dig two graves because you're, you're sort of burying your, your own um, pride or your own self-worth by seeking, sinking to that level. And Pat Morita of course says that to uh, Daniel son in this movie as well. Yeah. That's another thing that's really cool about this film is the, um, the philosophy of self-defense and the, the training that comes with the martial arts, because that was one of the things Remember when I was getting into karate and martial arts, I think in the late eighties, early nineties was that it's only a tool for self-defense. It's never a tool to, you know, attack and bully anybody harm, you know, some nonviolent person. That's something that's very much at the core of the martial arts disciplines. And it's nice to right. see it in this film. And the villain is Cobra Kai. It, their motto is strike first which is a totally opposite of the NAP and what we believe in <clears throat> and then strike hard and no mercy. So um, it is the perfect villain, the, the perfect that it, a villain that initiates aggression. And that's what they teach. So, I mean, who doesn't want that as the bad guy and Johnny right. so like good at it that you, you still kind of like him. Well, isn't it kind of subversive though, that, um, and I appreciate it, that the uh, sensei of the Cobra Kai was like a military, military mm -hmm. trained Vietnam. Pretty you much. got me. You feel me. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. the worst guy that I mean, as Miyagi says, it's the teacher. It's not the students blame the teacher. Right. So when you, you see that he was the military guy who trained him and what did mm -hmm. he go through and who's really the bad guy. That's very cool. Good. Good pickup. All right. But spoilers, everyone who hasn't seen the, the revitalized storyline in Cobra Kai, because it's revealed in season two that uh, what's his name? Key, um, Reese. Reese. Crease, crease. That he mm -hmm. is not an actual war veteran. That it's all a lie. It's all just a cover story. And so, oh, really? 
Yeah, so he's not actually this combat veteran. Wait, you haven't seen cannon? Cobra Kai? Is that canon? It is now. Yes, it is. You oh. have to see it. Robert. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, you got to see it, man. The uh, The first half of season two is available for freezies. Um, and I've got access to season one. I don't, I, I don't know if I can get that to you somehow, but we'll figure it out. We've got ways. We do have ways. Is, this is like a drama or is there some comedy? There's two seasons out right now and it is a com- comedy and drama and it's so cheesy. It's cheesier than the movie, but delicious. You're going to effing love it. I, I keep telling all my my people that used to like Karate Kid, like, like my brother and stuff. I'm like, you have got to see this and they're loving it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like all the original people back. Of course, Marita has died and um, uh, the girl, Allie, she's not in this. But well, every- she's a real actor. She's a real person. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, she's not in this. Yeah. Um, but uh, she is um, re- referenced like they play a lot of the old clips and flashbacks. But it's a continuation of the story, but more from um, Johnny's perspective and him trying to pick up the pieces of his life that he's made a lot of mistakes. And he uh, restarts the uh, Cobra Kai dojo. And it, it's, it's, it's actually a very compelling story. You're sympathetic to his character because... You I'm see his perspective and uh, that he's really struggling to make right what he's wronged in the world. And he's trying to yeah. do what he uh, thinks is best with what he is aware of and how he was taught. And of course, he had this um, you know, terrible uh, sensei when he was younger, uh, who was a bit of a father figure for him. So anyway, I, I don't mean to, to uh, sidetrack us too much into the new canon when we're supposed to be talking about the original movie here. Well, you could tell that Johnny did have some class just from watching the original movie. Right. Because at the end, he's like, that was a good match, Daniel. I was, you know, any hands on the trophy. Yeah, I was sympathetic to him as a kid. <clears throat> and, you know, I always kind of loved villains as a child. I mean, I always picked the side of the protagonist because I good. I wanted to be good. Uh, and I, I liked the idea of being good. But people like Darth Vader, I, I was obsessed with Darth Vader because I felt like he had to be good underneath there. And Johnny was one of the villains that I always kind of loved. Like I had like almost crush on Johnny. Like if he would have just been a little bit better of a person, I could have totally like dug him. You know what I mean? And he redeemed himself at the end. Yeah. And you could see him in that final fight when, when Chris says sweep the leg, you know, Johnny's like searching, you know, like, should I do this? Should I do this? And he, he reluctantly kind of, you know, follows his orders. But then like a moment later, he, uh, drops an elbow into LaRusso's knee and that wasn't related to sweeping the leg. So that was that, that one led me to believe that he was actually trying to hurt him for his own purposes. So he kind of lost me on that one, but then at the end, you know, he did show respect to LaRusso. I don't know if you guys know this, but one of the coolest things I ever found out was that what's really cool as the actor is his name, Zabka. The guy's name is Zabka, something Zabka that plays Johnny. And as a, he was only 18. Uh, everybody else was like 20 and 22 when they when they did the show, the other characters and or older. And he was one of the youngest. And he actually came up with his own backstory. He's the one that came into filming this movie, giving him like, OK, Crease is like a dad for me. That's why I would be this bad guy. I mean, he really kind of was the uh, the brainchild or he came up with the brainchild for Cobra Kai now for the new canon. So I think that he played it like that. And uh, I think it's really cool that it, it, it worked. He, he was sorry. Yeah. You could definitely tell that he was having doubt and mm-hmm. he wasn't just, just evil to the core for the sake of being evil, that he was a young kid still trying to figure things out and had all these conflicting emotions and was still in love with the girl and testosterone. 
yeah, you got this rival and you don't want to get shown up and you got all these rowdy friends and you got all this testosterone pumping through mm-hmm. you and it's, it's, you know, mistakes are going to be made. <laughs> and then of course there's this scene that makes this a Halloween movie when he and the other Cobra Kai dudes who I argue were seeking justified retribution for what LaRusso did to them or did to Johnny mm-hmm. in the bathroom by spraying water on him while he was rolling a fat doobie. I wish you had just left it at what Daniel had done to him in the bathroom and not explained what he had actually done, but okay. Yeah. Um, they were chasing after him. I don't know if, you know, beating the crap out of him is necessarily justice, but Daniel did start it. Okay. And- that was a pretty bad fight though. Let's talk about what they all look like after that fight was over really fast. Is that cool? Um, cool. Daniel was going to lose consciousness, right? So there must have been some kind of internal bleeding. I mean, he was knocked out. It was so bad. So that's just, that's too much violence. That's, that's too much. So he got sprayed with water. Big effing deal. I mean, considering he was like thrown off of the street by those bikes when he was riding his bike home from seeing his mom and his, her job. I mean, come on. So honestly, I mean, I know it was months later and, but they already had this little rivalry going. It's just water. And they, they really beat this kid's ass to where, he could have died. You know what I mean? So that was wrong. But then Mr. Miyagi comes, right? And then, you know, fights them all off, which is, and they go right for him. Now, this is, think about this. If you were in a, like, gang fighting one kid and beating the shit out of it, and this is this old Japanese ma- man climbs a fence and jumps off a fence at you, you'd probably just run. You're in costumes, right? You just get out of there. No, they're not afraid. They're just going to kick this old Japanese man's ass also. And then, he puts them all on the ground so bad that they're rolling around making no noise for like minutes. Isn't that extreme? Everybody's extremely hurt. Yeah. I mean, although Miyagi only hits each one of them like once, <laughs> like he's so good that he's putting him out with like a single blow. Yeah. And, and then Johnny does have a black eye, as I recall, in the next scene mm-hmm. that you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're definitely, definitely harmed. That's why you just don't, that's why you don't start shit. That's why you don't start violence. I mean, because the things they deserve it. But who's rolling around on the ground, silent, not making any noise? None of them. It's like they all had the wind knocked out of them. I mean, what was that? Justin, my husband, said it was all like the chi energy or something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Miyagi talked to uh, talked about focusing all that energy into the one inch at the end of your fist, Mm -hmm. and so that must be how you know how good Miyagi was at at his karate. They just laid there writhing for so long. With no sound coming out of their yeah. mouths. It was very weird. But in their badass skeleton costumes. But uh, you, you did bring up an interesting thing because when they knocked Daniel off his bike, when he was riding along that ridgeline, I mean, that's yeah. like attempted murder right there. And that was before this event. I mean, one one wrong uh, tumble, you're smashing your head on a rock. And he wasn't wearing a helmet because no one wore helmets. It was the 80s. I mean, are we happy about this? Or are we upset about this? I mean, do we need the government for the helmet? I mean, what could happen to that kid? Yeah. The answer is no, we didn't need government. Say no. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, the answer is no, we don't. <laughs> and the guys on the bikes were absolutely responsible for anything that happened to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, a little water, big deal. I think he's more mad about his weed getting wet, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think can... he's more mad about having this punk stand up to him. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's part of it too. Yeah, but more in, a, in an underhanded way. You know, it was like a, a surprise attack kind of thing, but, you know, not, it, it was intended to instigate or get back at. So yeah, I, I don't he was know. hiding from them at school, right? Right. Like, remember, he was just kept talk, 
freaking out being like, oh, hey, Allie, oh, hi. Oh, oh, there they are. I'm going to run. And this, I'm going to do it my way. Shut your mouth. You know, he's like a dick to Allie about it. And he's hiding. She's like, we have to help deal with this. And he's running. And then all of a sudden he decides, you know, when I'm wearing this giant polka dotted curtain contraption, I'm going to look over to see when he's taking a dump and because he doesn't know he's rolling a joint and spray water on him this is a good idea like that's kind of out of character isn't it like why and remember remember what happens just before that like Mm -hmm. Allie comes up to him and she's like hey do you want to get out of here oh yeah she's so cute she's like there's daniel i know he's wearing that polka dot curtain right but but what robert's saying is he got she gave him the uh you know the eyes and then he's like oh no i got a thing i gotta do (laughs) yeah he's like no i got something more important i gotta do are you kidding me? Maybe he was. Maybe that 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 the fact that she wanted to get out of there with him and was looking for him knew it was him. Maybe that gave him the boost of confidence and said, "You know what? Fuck that guy." And then he went in there and did that. You think that could be? He, yeah, I could see. She, I could yeah. see that, but it's yeah. still it's still instigating something when he could have been doing something much more pleasurable than getting his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Right now, I didn't understand why she was so into him. Like it's cute. He was like over the top. <laughs> she was she was very aggressive in. Um, in her pursuit of him, it seemed to me. And I didn't see what the appeal was. I mean, I, you're, you're, you're a woman. So, you know, you say he's cute. So I'll take your word for it. I think he looks like a skinny nerd, but he does. I mean, I'm, I'm way older now. I was a little tiny girl when this movie came out, very tiny. So <clears throat> he's, he is a cute, skinny little kid. I like cute, skinny little kids when I was a little kid. So, but he looked different. They have a lot of blonde actors because they're trying to do the California feel. So they make everyone blonde. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know if you noticed that. Um, and then I, I also think that she was tired of this. She was with somebody. She was mad at him when she was fighting. She's like, you're always fighting. And I think that she likes someone a little nice and different, right? Okay. So so he was different enough. And everyone else that she had been around was like kind of samesy samesy. So that's why perhaps he stood out. I think he was exotic. Yeah. And maybe um, he was smitten with her. He was adorable. Like the way he stared at her. And she obviously thought he was cute the way they she made eyes at him right and he also seemed to have a little bit of game in the you know how chicks are attracted to assholes sometimes in a general sense because he he would respond to her in such a way he's like oh if you want to go with them i don't care do what you want you know sort of this um flippant you know like i don't give a fuck what was that he kind of was fucking it up like he looked like an asshole didn't he yeah, she was he already did. there being like, you know what? I don't care about these rich guys that let me drive in their convertible. They're all trying to get me to go party with them. And he, she's like, no, I'm here with this guy. Look at over here. These, this guy's really great. And he's like, you know, if you don't want to hang out with me because I'm poor, then go. It's pretty much what he did. Right. And then she's like, whatever. She was so offended by that. His pride continually caused them conflict. Like he's in the dirt because all the dirt bikes on the beach party, the first conflict, they all drive off over the radio, spray sand all over him. He's laying there like <laughs> cuffing up sand. And she's like, Daniel, or, you know, dude, cute boy. And she's trying to help him. And he's like, Just go away, get away from me. And, and then like, that's her first encounter with a whole different kind of macho, like pride, you know, not Johnny's violent, aggressive, but this guy's also a dick to her. Yeah. And he does the same now, thing at the tournament. Where he says, mm-hmm. I, I need to be alone, you know, like, everyone just leave me alone. But go ahead, Robert. Well, I just had a question for our guest. I mean, there's also the daddy's disapproval of Daniel. And I'm wondering if that was points for or against him. Oh, it's definitely for. Okay, uh, I'm going to say okay, four. Wait a minute. Let our guest answer this. She has some probably inside knowledge on this. No, you guys are right. Definitely for. I didn't even think of it. Thank you. Because think about the country club scene where, first of all, whatever the hell's going on in that country club, the mom and the dad, but the mother, they see him 
aggressively kissing her and her punching them. And they look at him and go, are you okay to him? To the fucking almost rapist. Like mm. this guy who sexually assaults her. I mean, I don't really think kissing is really sexual assault. I mean, I, sue me. Uh, but the, obviously this is a teenage daughter. This guy gets handsy with her right on the dance floor in front of her parents. She punches him and then they look at him and go, Johnny, are you okay? What? What? Mm. Yeah, fuck her yeah. parents. Yeah, yeah I, now I get it. You're right. That's what it is. You got it. Nailed it. Yeah, because they want her to be with one of those blonde beach guys who are, you know, their parents are also at the country club or whatever. So mm-hmm. that that even makes Daniel more appealing. And then I also wonder if Daniel has a little bit of um, a little bit of the Napoleon complex. I mean, he's not like an exact, uh, expressly short guy, but he is a kind of a skinny dude and a bit of a hothead. He definitely has a temper. Like he doesn't back down from these fights. He he. Uh, almost instigates them in many cases or uh, escalates them. Escalates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except when he was running away from them, but yes. Yeah, it was very random. We, oh, My husband and I always laugh about it because one minute he has just massive balls and another minute he's like, oh, what's going on? I'm hiding. Yeah, we don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but why did he show up at the country club dressed like a waiter? Why is he in all white? And why did he go through the kitchen? Why did he go through the kitchen where all the spaghetti is? Like, uh, are you guys wondering why didn't you go through the front door to get Allie for their date that starts at like 1030 at night or something insane? Like all these parents are just letting their kids go with whoever that they don't know for to all hours of the night. Does anyone wonder why the parents just don't give a shit where their kids are? Hey, and they, they're, they're like, oh, you're leaving at 1030 for a date. She's like, oh, maybe it was the 80s. You could do whatever. Yeah, there's not one cop called either. I love that. This movie, one of the greatest things about it is that not one policeman was threatened toward people. No one thought, let's call the cops. Everybody, Mr. Miyagi literally was like, you know what? You own yourself. We're not doing this for vengeance, but it's your job to take care of your person. And we're going to do this for you. Like, uh, I love that. That's one of the greatest parts of this. Yeah. And Miyagi's advice throughout the whole movie is just really spot on. I love that. He's like, I don't know if you're going to win this tournament or not, but you're going to show them that you're not just there to be beat up and they're going to respect you for that. And then this Mm -hmm. will probably be over with. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely, you know, all you got to do is stand up to a bully. You can't, I mean, you can't expect to win every fight, but if they see that you're not some easy target, you can earn their respect. Yeah. It's the, the capacity to defend that commands the respect, which I would agree with. And another thing that I liked that was um, a little bit lawless was when uh, he let Daniel drive and he didn't have a license and neither did Miyagi. And he's like, well, we're just we're driving anyway. <laughs> Hell yeah. There's more. He gave him alcohol. <clears throat> he talked about going out there and get a little honey because he was doing a little birds and bees euphemism in broken Japanese, which I love. Um, Mr. Miyagi was adopting Daniel. Okay. Uh, it's pretty beautiful example of voluntarism in action, in my opinion. I think that's one of the things that speaks to people about this movie. Um, I don't know if you guys do you want to talk about Mr. Miyagi? Yeah, let's, well, let's talk about him because he's not just a piece of cardboard that's there to spout some, you know, he's amazing drivel for Daniel to lap up and just, you know, whatever follow. He's a he's a fleshed out character with the whole backdoor yes, zone. Yeah, yeah, no need for a rope to hold up his pants. Which <laughs> side story? I went to a voluntarist meetup in Seattle with my wife. Uh, gosh, almost eight years ago, and there was definitely a guy wearing rope pants. He was like a D and D dungeon master type dude with sweatpants, and he was he held them up with a rope. So when I, I people who do that when I saw so the Miyagi, 
Yeah, yeah, secret. I'm back. just gonna say we play D and D and we have real belts in this house. So I just want to throw that out there. Let's not slander the great players of Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder. Those are good games. Um, Mr. Miyagi lost his wife and son in a concentration camp, right? Yeah, giving children. Okay, so he was serving in <clears throat> the the a war and was a decorated um, person in the, is it the army? Was he in the army? Yeah, World War II. Mm -hmm, thank you. And because he fled his home country with his, because he, for love, which you find out, I think in uh, Karate Kid 2. Um, so he comes back with his wife and because of the war, then his wife, <clears throat> he was fighting and his wife loses their child and they both die in childbirth. So the first thing he explains is that his family is a family of fishermen and they teach the family teaches their sons karate, correct? Yep. Okay. So it's a big deal that they pass it from father to son. And then little by little, he starts to kind of get to know Daniel from the very beginning. Daniel has a lot of great qualities. I mean, he's a good boy. He, he comes to get his mom's sink fixed. He shows up and he says, yeah, I'll do it. And he goes, Hey, can I tell my mom when he continues to press for the negotiation? He's trying to get Mr. Miyagi to have some buy-in, right? And I was like, that's a good kid because I have kids and I know how hard it is to get these mother effers to get details, nail that shit down, you know, make a phone call and ask effing questions, right? You got to get these teenagers to do that stuff. So I was like, wow, this is a great kid. Um, Mr. Miyagi starts to, to see that he's getting bullied. He starts to have a little emotional investment in him. He gives him a car. When he turns 16, he's giving him advice about the ladies. He's, I mean, he adopts him. Wouldn't you guys say? To teach him to karate. It's like handed it, his family. What's the word? His tradition. That's pretty good yeah. stuff. All yeah. right. I'm sorry. I just ranted. No, I apologize. You're gushing. It's great. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I loved how every time he would give Daniel this big gift and Daniel's like, oh no, this is too much. He's like, come on, you have to, you're going to hurt my feelings. Yeah, I, I really love that kind of guilt you could lay on when you're giving a big gift. You, you hurt my feelings. You have to take it. Yeah, don't hurt the feelings of an old man. But that also is is like part of the culture there. Like if you're a guest in a Japanese house and, and they offer you a gift, it's it's rude to not accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Every my step grandma's Japanese. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every Japanese person I've known in my life have been gift givers. They're always wanting to give me gifts. And it's very nice. Isn't it awkward at first? Because it is for me. Yeah, maybe. I always feel like when people give me gifts, I owe them something and I don't like it. Yeah, I don't think they give gifts expecting something in return. Yeah, is that just American codependence? <laughs> <Could be. laughs> yeah, it could be. So uh, uh, one more thing about um, Miyagi. Pat Morita apparently was a comedian of sorts. And so he wasn't going to be cast in this because they didn't want to have somebody who was a comedian. They wanted something a bit more serious. But I guess when he was on television in the 60s, his nickname or stage name was The Hip Nip, which sounds horrific today. But that was actually his name. And is Nip a slur i think it would be considered one now but i think back uh, in the 60s you know japan i think how they would refer to it, it would be nippon mm. and so yeah. just shortening that would be nip and and you know mm -hmm. it, it talking about it right now it, it sounds like i'm saying something terrible but that was literally no, what he, he liked to it us. right like yes he enjoyed that as a nickname i believe so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i believe that was part of his self-promotion yeah, I mean, it was, you know, if you're doing something different and there's not a lot of Japanese actors on television and you're actually accepted, um, like if I were hanging out with a bunch of, let's just say, I don't know, Hispanic people and they were calling me 
like gringo and it was part of my nickname i i wouldn't be offended by that personally maybe it's because i have the white privilege maybe i have a case of the white privilege i just i i can imagine depending on how it was said and with love or respect then you wouldn't really care that much you know well it just reminds me of the greatest showman and pt barnum and how he would use different people with all these different you know unique attributes and they would be like the bearded lady and Tom Thumb and whatever. And it's them leaning into what sets them apart, what makes them unique mm-hmm. as a way to sell themselves and to make them memorable in the eyes of an audience. Mm-hmm. And it just seems natural to me to do that. I mean, if he's got a unique attribute that nobody else is hitting on this in this market, why not use lean into that aspect of yourself to help sell yourself? It, I don't think it's offensive or a terrible thing at all. Right. And this is also back in the time when, you know, even Bruce Lee was having trouble being a crossover person uh, into the American market. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, you you had to stand out a little bit. Uh, Another person who was actually considered for the role of Miyagi was Mifune from the Kurosawa Kurosawa films. Oh, cool. I don't know anything about him, to be honest. And I'm sorry. Unbelievable. Who are these guests that we mentioned? I know, right? <laughs> I'm just, I really just want to lead in total honesty and authenticity. Okay. You know what you're getting with me. I want to be honest. Yeah. She's going to go all the way or not. But if she half asses it, she's going to get squished like a grape. <laughs> like a grape. So uh, earlier we talked about um, the teacher say and the student do. And I'm curious how that, in your guys' minds, and I'll direct it to Robert first, because we always talk about, you know, people are given advice, even orders are advice, because it's the up to the person, the individual who's going to decide whether they're going to do that thing or not. It's on them ultimately to be responsible. So like when Johnny does sweep the leg, he actually did choose to sweep the leg, even though he was reluctant to do it. But Miyagi even says, you know, teacher say, student do. And when he teaches um, Daniel's son, he's like, do exactly what I say. No ifs, ands, or buts. Don't question it. You know, there's no negotiating. This is just how it's going to be. So when you're dealing with a mentor mentee relationship and and then there's also the you know when when is a person fully sentient being capable of consenting to things like where does this fall for you robert on whether the the students the mentees are responsible for their actions oh, i think you're always responsible for your actions mm-hmm. i don't care what kind of relationship you have with a mentor if the mentor says, hands you a gun and says, okay, go kill that person right over there. This is going to help you learn karate. I think you have to use your own self-judgment and decide that, no, that's a bridge too far. This, I don't understand what this is. You're going to have to make a really compelling case as to why this would have anything to do with what you're trying to teach me. Um, I think Daniel is actually really, really good in this movie in going along with this man's crazy teaching techniques before he finally calls him out after like painting the house. He doesn't even question any of it. He really goes along with his original agreement. Um, but, you know, it, it is an interesting point that you raise. It's not as super cut and clear dry, especially when you're dealing with children with this, you know, is are, are, is Johnny responsible for his actions when he sweeps the leg? Yes. <clears throat> okay. I, I, yeah, I would, I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, but I, yeah, I personally, I'm just not a fan of that, that teaching style. I'm, I'm, I, I'm always someone that's wanting to know why. Mm-hmm. I'm always questioning, well, what is this going to do? Why, you know, that sort of thing. And just blindly obeying anybody, um, I'd have a hard time with. But if I really trusted Mr. Miyagi, and I really thought he was a good dude, and I really thought he was an amazing martial artist, then, and I thought he was a good teacher, you know, 
maybe I hadn't experienced his teaching methods yet, but maybe he's got some other students that are also amazing and, you know, this sort of thing, then maybe I would be more likely to just follow along blindly trusting that I would learn this amazing techniques and become amazing at the end of it all. But in Daniel's situation, he's just talking to this old Japanese guy he met, who's the repairman at this, you know, apartment building. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, you know, he doesn't have a like a proven track record of teaching karate. So I, you know, I would be much more skeptical of what his methods were uh, when I would be, you know, going for, you know, lessons. Yeah, I, I think Daniel had a lot more patience than I would have. I, too, would like to know why I'm doing whatever the thing is. But as it's presented in the film, I think it, it adds to the dramatic effect and the uh, revelation where he has that I know Kung Fu mo uh, moment, like in The Matrix. Um, because what Miyagi's basically doing is, is he's having him do the muscle memory with the repetitive motion to imprint it uh, into him, sort of like how Neo got jacked with uh, the Kung Fu in The Matrix. Um, and then you have that big reveal. So that makes it a very um, poignant scene. But yeah, I don't think I would have stood... It was only four days, you guys. That's... It was only four days. Let me tell you right now, I know for a fact that it was only four days. And there was a contract made. And why Daniel is a good kid and why I do like Daniel, especially in the movie, in this movie, is that he begged him for help. And he said, okay, I'll cut. He came back. He, of course, Miyagi makes him wait just like he did with the sink faucet, right? Like, oh, later, later, you know? And, uh, and he fixed his bike and he did a lot of trustworthy things. And he says, okay, I'll do it, but you have to do whatever I say, no matter what, that's the deal. And he says, okay. So they made a contract. And after four days of getting jerked around, sanding stuff and waxing things and painting shit, he kind of goes, he's like, okay, now what the fuck? It's been four days. All I've been doing, I mean, till sun, I mean, late at night. So it is arduous, but it's only four days. And he's exhausted. He's hurting. And this is where he, he met his breaking point. So I have to say that I think that Daniel did what he said he was going to do. And it makes sense that he's going to have a test in his faith. Okay. And this is where Miyagi shows him what he's teaching him. And it, it was poignant. It did matter. So I think that makes sense. Uh, Johnny uh, had to create uh, the actor um, that played Johnny Lawrence had to have a backstory because Johnny's just such an asshole. And why would he do that? But why did Bobby break his fucking leg first? Sweeping the leg is nothing compared to breaking the leg. Poor Bobby. He's the actual nice one that was getting mad at them for beating his ass in the skeleton costumes. Like, does anyone else feel sorry for Bobby? I do, especially since I think that's the guy who recently passed away. Oh, yeah. Shit, really? Sorry. Spoilers, everyone. I, I think Cry. it was him. But uh, but yeah, you're right. He he was the one who didn't want to or said, you know, Daniel had enough when they were wearing their badass skeleton costumes. Mm -hmm. And but I think Kreese, because Johnny was the two time defending champion, he Kreese wanted LaRusso out of commission. So he didn't want to get Johnny disqualified. So that's why he had one of his underlings do it. Can we talk? Can we talk about Kreese for just a minute? And yes. just how much of a, a prick this guy is. Yes. This guy, he's got his class of students and he in comes this old Japanese dude and this young kid. And the old Japanese dude is like, hey, man, let's just can we just not beat up and just bully this this kid? I mean, he's, he's just a kid and there's like five to one. And can we just not have this happen? And Chris is just like, well, I don't know about that. And then he's like, and then he's like, okay, if you don't show up to the tournament. Yeah, there's nowhere you can hide, kid. <laughs> can you imagine an adult 
talking about beating up a little kid. This like guy is a creep, right? Well, like, he didn't say he would do it. He said it was open season for the Cobra Kai. The other yeah, kids. His, his he gets students, off on it, though. He gets off students, on it. What kind of example are you setting to your students where you're like, yeah, go ahead and gang up and beat up some kid? What? Well, and the old man, because they said it's open season on this kid and you. Well, he just took out five of them. They're going to be fine. Like, yeah. But no, Crease uh, is, is terrible. He, I think he he's a sadist. I think he's legitimately like Palpatine. He is just dark side all the way. There's nothing good about him as a human. And he probably made Bobby because Bobby had a tender heart. And I think that Bobby was supposed to be a good person. And I think they got him with the wrong crowd and he was being groomed by this psychopath. And I think the reason he made Bobby break the leg, although I, I like you're saying about trying to keep Johnny clean. And I do think that was true, but I think he made Bobby do it too. When he said, um, to he wanted him out of commission and he kept saying you know i don't want to do that i don't want to be disqualified he was like fuck you you don't deserve it you're a little bitch crease is like totally hardcore psychopath and he was trying to break bobby's psyche and make him feel like he was irredeemable and always gonna be bad i really believe he's out there breaking these young minds on purpose yeah no he's he's psychologically breaking them down to make them dependent upon him it's some sick shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you, you know what happened uh they they filmed so, did you ever see Karate Kid 2? Yeah, where they go to Okinawa. Yeah, uh, wait, yeah. So, remember the part where he was um, in the beginning of the movie where they had the showdown with Kreese and Johnny, he hurts Johnny, Kreese does. Yeah, in the and, parking lot, right? Like, right out, right outside the tournament? That's right, it was right outside the tournament. That was actually supposed to be in the first movie, but they stopped it with, like, the Miyagi smiling and with pride, because I think it was supposed to be a father figure. And I think that's what they were going for in the in the original movie, which we're talking about. But they cut the scene and then ended up putting it on the second movie where uh, they all the Cobra Kai kids, all the star pupils basically drop their bandanas and were like, fuck you, you psychopath to crease, which is kind of cool. Um, we didn't get to see that in the first movie, but I mean, not necessary because it's all about Daniel. Right. But yeah, obviously it, it did matter. And crease did get burned by those those guys because they realized that he was a an aggressor and um a, a bad mentor which is kind of nice you find out later right <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah now i don't want to bring up the abomination that is the karate kid three but they bring crease back and a ringer to get revenge against daniel's son and and miyagi and Silver? That, yes yeah and he's a he's a he's a cartoonish villain <laughs> it's bad so bad but one and two are pretty good. So wait, we should tell everybody what happens though. Um, Daniel goes to Cobra Kai. He 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 goes. Uh, uh, what's it called when I was going to do a Star Wars reference? Sorry, I'm, I'll just stop. Um, he basically goes to the dark side and joins Cobra Kai and regrets it because right? his Yoda doesn't uh, isn't willing to train him. Miyagi ter- <laughs> turns him down mm-hmm. because Daniel's son has the wrong reasons, right? It's because he he has prideful reasons to want to be trained, right? Right. That's exactly right. And then there's some bullshit with the bonsai. Like, they didn't they at the end put the tree together at the end? of Was that the third movie? I think so. I'm, tr- I'm trying to block it out of my mind. Yeah, let's not do that. It <laughs> just, you don't need to see the third movie. It is nice to know that Daniel-san went, I mean, Luke Skywalker did this too. Also went to the dark side for a while and then came back. I don't know if you ever read the books. Um, but supposedly the books of Star Wars are not canon and now it's just the movies. But 
Luke Skywalker also did that. And so I feel like it's kind of something that they, they toy with, with these people that we love on their little epic journeys, finding themselves. And, and so, um, and they did do a nod to it in Cobra Kai, the TV show. So uh, again, a plug for that show, please watch it. It's amazing. <laughs> I love plugging such a cheesy show. It's so bad. I love everything about it. Well, I know I'm looking forward to Cobra Kai. I know Daniel's seen a lot of it, but um, okay, I'm, I'm hooked. I'll get in there. Oh my God, PM me. We will like be like, oh, I'm nerdy now, <laughs> right now. Actually, Cobra Kai is one of the negotiator's favorite shows. No so. shit, really? Yeah. Okay, it's cheesier than the actual Karate Kid movie, which is does hold up, like you said. It's really, actually really good. Um, uh, the TV show does not take itself seriously, and it's worth every moment you spend on it. Okay, so let's talk about things that are not perfect. Um, one thing that bothered me, okay, first I'm going to take about a highlight. The one thing where I laughed out loud. And that was when there's the translator scene. That was genuinely funny and surprised me because I hadn't seen the movie in a long time. But I, I laughed out loud like a good, solid, hard laugh. That was fantastic. Did not expect it because the whole movie wasn't funny. And then all of a sudden there's this funny scene. It was great. It was like, okay, good. But on the downside, and this is probably, I mean, I wouldn't fault the writing in any way. I don't know if I'd fault the direction, but I would fault early 80s fight choreography and that in the final fight tournament we never see any waxing on waxing off we never see any painting the fence Mm -hmm. we don't see any of that agree we just we just see fighting and then we see the crane kick and i i was i was disappointed by that were you as a kid when you watched it the first time or the third time or the fifth time did you notice that because i did not until i was in my 30s oh no no just i only noticed it last night okay Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, don't forget Daniel <clears throat> Danielson walks into the tournament while they're walking in and he looks back at Miyagi and goes, what are the rules or something to that effect? Right. Mm. Do you remember that part from last night? He, he literally says, what are the rules? They, um, Miyagi made a point of saying that belts don't matter. Uh, the rules, uh, you know, this is about a feeling, energy, balance. You know, he he does the whole thing about karate and he has a really organic kind of unschooling version of mm-hmm. karate teaching, right? Which I really appreciate as an unschooler myself. But then they show up to the tournament and he doesn't know any rules. And I thought that was really, really funny. And he steals the black belt. <laughs> yeah, I actually enjoyed that part. He said Buddha provide. I mean, it wasn't right for him to do that, but if you have to be a brown or a black belt to be in, I mean, I don't know why Miyagi is so ill prepared for this and had plenty of time to prepare, but I was the most angry about Daniel running out with the shower curtain still attached to him and causing like a four to five car crash outside and just runs off. All those people got in car accidents. Do you know how much that would have cost? Yeah. And he doesn't suffer any consequences for that. Like None. he's never held to task for all that damage he did. Oh. Well, he does get his ass beat. Yeah, but does not he, by the car. Does, does getting his ass beat repair the car? No, no, not at all. But you know, it's similar to the uh, modern day justice system in the United States, where the restitution to the victim is not paid; it's just punishment meted out to the criminal or the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's we don't really do restitution um, properly, do we? Right. And and I guess uh, Ralph Macchio actually did get injured during that skeleton fight. One of the kicks did land. Yeah, I read something um maybe you've done more research than i have um didn't they have to bring in people that worked with the uh the the martial arts expert that they did the fight with the double uh mr Miyagi's double 
they brought somebody in because they were hitting the actors too hard. He was hitting the actors too hard. So he had to bring his own people in with those costumes on so he could actually fight them. And so I remember reading that, watching the movie again at some point going, wow, these are still kind of weenie hits. But then my husband explained the, uh, the, the cheer key energy. So then I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> I like how you bought the key energy. I just, you know, <laughs> okay. I love him. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Oh yeah. All right. Well, cause I mean, I, I'll tell you why uh, the canon of Miyagi rubbing his hands together and having some kind of mysticism and, <clears throat> and Eastern medicine and energy uh, because that was brought in. I said, I'll buy it. I mean, I'm generous. Yeah, fair enough. In this universe, he's got the powers of chi and he can do that. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. why the fight, that's why he hits them barely and they fall apart. They fall down. He goes, yeah, you know, on their stomach or something. And then they lay there writhing with complete silence, not making any noises for minutes on end. After he picks up Daniel, walks off, and they're still writhing in pain quietly, kind of just gyrating. It looks like a video game. It's really weird. You got to watch it again. It's a weird scene. And apparently he's also able to break the tops off of four beer bottles and not have them move at all. Oh, that was impressive. Hot. hot. Mm. <laughs> so, Raylene, this, this question is directed to you. When Miyagi is wearing the catcher's outfit and having Danielson punch him, he says, you know, focus the energy into this one inch area of your fist. And Danielson punches him kind of weak sauce. And he's yeah. like, what's wrong with you? You some kind of a girl or something? Did that bother you at all? No, because <laughs> I remember when I learned how to punch and <clears throat> in being a girl, I was really tall for my age when I was a kid. And but I was really nice and I never initiated aggression upon any person in my entire life when I was a little kid. I mean, I was the nicest human being. My I have, I have five kids and I have one daughter that's exactly like I was as a kid. And I remember kids bullying me. And I was so tough. That's the thing is I'm such a badass that I knew I would hurt them. So I never did it. And I was ruining my clothes. They were knocking me down. I was bleeding and I was ripping my tights. And <laughs> this is my bully story. Um, and my my dad, my mom gets mad because all my clothes are getting ruined. So I, I don't know if I felt like I wasn't allowed to tell them or I wasn't trying to get kids in trouble because I like this kid. So because he was a friend of mine outside of school and I felt bad, like I didn't want to get him in trouble. Um, I didn't say anything. And uh, my clothes are getting ruined. My mom's asking what's going on. And I tell her what's going on. So now my dad is teaching me how to punch and fight, right? Like he's like, oh my gosh, now I got to teach you to fight. And I remember being afraid to do the wrong thing. I, I think that girls do have a tendency to not want to hurt people. And I'm not saying that boys don't also. I think that we have a lot of, I have a sensitive boy. I, I know that they exist. And I, but I, as a rule, I think that people expect girls to be nice. And um, until I was given permission to, my dad was like, don't be a pussy, hit me harder. Like literally teaching me how to punch harder. And I had to really understand what that meant and to really want to hurt, like want to hurt somebody. And I just don't think that girls want to go out there and kick some ass. I just don't think that that's something that we, I think we're very social as, as, I think a majority of women are very social and socially minded. And I just don't think that most of them want to actually hit to hurt people, you know, like they're not cycling all that testosterone through their body. So, um, I, I think that most girls aren't even, a, they want, you know, whatever. And girls are not as strong as boys, um, when they get older. So no, it doesn't offend me. So Robert, get a load of this hate speech. What do you think of this? You like that? Oh, I, have we lost you, Robert? The genders. I think we lost. I, I can hear you a little bit, Robert. 
What in the what? What? Yeah, you cut what? out for a second. Am I louder? There you are. Hello. Hi. Hey. I don't know if I did anything differently. Sorry. Okay. You sound good now. Yeah. What do, what do you make of all that hate speech that she just spewed out there? I'm going to. Well, the fact that she even insinuated that there's a difference between the genders is making me tremble. Ooh, in anticipation of what else she's going to say. <laughs> there's more. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely getting triggered. Um, no, I, I, I've always been, I've always thought, and it's interesting that you talk about, you know, getting, taking a beating and not fighting back because you were afraid of hurting the people that were attacking you. Yeah. I think I had a similar feeling yeah. around that age, but these days, if somebody were to come up and strike me, I would pummel them mercilessly until they recognize that it, attacking me was a bad idea. That's sexy. I agree. I, I like as a oh a mother, a woman, somebody. I want my husband to want to not even fucking think about it. To get out there and fucking get in front. You know, um, I'm so I I know that I'm a badass. I'm an intimidating woman for a lot of other people out there because I'm tall, I'm loud, I'm opinionated, and I'm smart. And I'm capable. But as a kid, I really didn't want to get in trouble. I was I was raised in an authoritarian family. There were rules. I I was taught to respect and follow them. And it didn't make any sense to me that I was taught that I was never allowed to hit. I always had to share, be nice, just make everyone like you. All we care about, Raylene, is that we want everybody else to think you're the perfect person. Like, and I was like in first or second grade. And that is what I remember being constantly taught to me. And so this kid that, that I, I kind of grew up with, it's like he got held back a gear. And so he shows up with his little first grade gang of kids and they were just coming at me. And I was like, ow, why, what are you doing? Ow. And I didn't even feel like I was allowed to fight back. And I didn't want to, I, I naturally don't want to hurt people. Um, the first time that I kicked someone's ass, I was horrified at my ability. Do you know what I mean? How old were you, you think? Um, okay, well, I kicked that kid's ass because my dad <laughs> told me I had to. Like, like now it was a rule, right? So I was like, oh, okay. I mean, this is why I was a statist because they taught me to be one. I, I So I got there and I'm like, okay, I got the kick. And I was like, I remember saying, don't make me hit you. <laughs> like, please don't make me hit you. You know, like this sweetheart. And um, And I finally did. I kicked this kid's fucking ass he's bleeding um like this kid has and his little gang of seven-year-olds literally <laughs> every day until my mom said okay you had nine pairs of tights and they're all ripped and bloody so i'm gonna call this kid's mom um and or i was after i you know she said i'm gonna say something and my dad says no i'm gonna teach you how to fight i go to school he makes me go kick this kid's ass i go kick this kid's ass and i take him down in front of all of his friends and i beat the shit out of him okay uh i didn't like it it was horrible. And so I was Johnny. Okay. I was Bobby. Yeah, your, your dad was crease. Sweep the leg. You know, I know. I mean, it was, it was just, I, so I, you know, I think that's why I, I can empathize with, with always, I can always empathize with all the characters on some level. And so I, I do this and then this motherfucking kid goes and bitches to his mom. And then I have to go to a meeting with my parents at Godfather's while they discuss me kicking this kid's ass after I've been bullied for like months and terrorized. Well, then, I hope your your parents stood up to you for you. They did, which is great. So then it never happened again because this kid was embarrassed. It all went away. And then I didn't have to really do it again until um like people would threaten to fight me and I never wanted to fight. It's not me. I'm a peaceful person. Um 
And I remember being like, okay, like, you know, I don't, I never started the fight ever, but I remember when the fight would come to me and I remember thinking, oh, I'm sitting on the floor. I'm wearing a dress. Everyone's going to see my underwear. Oh my God. Like, you know, when you're in 10th grade and I just don't want anyone to see my underwear. Like, that's all I cared about. I was like, I'm going to have to kick this bitch's ass and everyone's going to see my underwear. I just was so mad about it. I was like, how do I get out of this fight? Or how do I do this so my dress doesn't come up? That's all I cared about. You know, like, I don't want to do this. I, just, I never did. So I, you know, um, not being afraid of fights and standing up and being like, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it. Um, it it kind of, it, it works a lot of times, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, Miyagi style. Now, I, I want to mention just for the audience's sake, this is the kind of content we normally save for the Patreon bonus round at the end. <laughs> you know, this kicking ass and motherfucking and <laughs> underwear and all that stuff. So if you want to get any uh, any of that kind of stuff from us, uh, hit us up at lastnighters.com slash Patreon and uh, we'll we'll dish it up for you. But we should start to wind this one down a little bit. We, we uh, are near the end and we usually go with a final summary and review unless either of you have any other notes you want to make before we get into that. Uh, no, I'm good. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Robert, why don't you show our guest how it's done and then we will go to... Raylene, and I'll wrap us up. Okay, well, I'm sure she knows how to do this, but Karate Kid, it's the the movie that launched a franchise, and rightfully so. Um, I don't, I can't speak to the other movies. I don't know about the reboots. Um, I know Jackie Chan was teaching like Will Smith Kid or something. I, I didn't see it. I don't know. But I do know that this movie is still quality after all these years. What, it's like 20, 35 years now? It's crazy. Um, it's a hero story that, you know, the hero story works because we it, it's so relatable, right? You're always rooting for the underdog and the hero grows, the hero struggles, and we all can identify with that. Nobody just goes through life like without any struggles or pains or anything like that. So it's 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 a story that's as old as time because it's it's like about the human condition. And it also throws in a fairly believable romance. I don't know if it's the most believable, but I'd say for a, for an action 80s movie, it's it's pretty damn good. And um, I think the highlight of the movie is Pat Morita. I think he does a fantastic Miyagi. The Miyagi character dishes out some really good philosophy, really good advice. And he's a fleshed out, fully realized character. I don't know if he was just written that well or Morita brought a lot to the part, but the end result was fantastic. Um, our guest, and I'll, I'll let her expound more on this, but she has informed me that even the background characters, all the background artists, you know, the extras are all really good in this movie. And uh, the only, the one I mentioned was that at the very last fight, like one of the uh, Cobra Kai guys gets really into the idea of uh, Johnny winning and putting Daniel in a body bag. And that's always stood out to me, but Apparently, all the the background acting in this movie is fantastic. Maybe it's worth a rewatch to check all that out. But um, overall, I, I'd say this is a this is like a solid eight for me. Um, it's not gonna whiz bang you with you know modern special effects and incredible fight choreography, but the story it tells is still really strong. Like the characters have good motivations. You're not acting. I mean, other than maybe Crease, where you're like, well, why is he just evil incarnate? We don't really know, but all the kids are believable. It's it's uh it's good. It's really good. So an eight point for me. All right, very good, sir. Well, let's go to Raylene for your uh, call it down on the sideline. Okay, <laughs> okay. So what I really like about Karate Kid is it it takes someone who feels very alone, ripped away from everything they know, 
fatherless <clears throat> from the wrong side of the tracks, doesn't have a lot of money. His mom loses his job, finds another job on the fly. I mean, honestly, they don't know where their rent is going to come from. They don't know what they're going to do. And they're in California and going to school with people that are so different from, from this kid. Um, he is so alone that he has befriended and pitied by an elderly Japanese warrior that decides to do something that his father did for him, which was teach him karate. And, but not only did he teach him this beautiful self-defense slash art form, he taught him what balance is. He taught him about the non-aggression principle. He taught him about energy. He taught him about doing the right thing. And I feel like he gave him the principles of self-ownership. I think that he didn't follow the law, but he followed natural law. And for that reason, every child should watch this movie with their parents where you guys can talk about it. I think this is a family film. I think that the there is the word shit a couple times. And there is a joint being rolled in a bathroom for all parents who, who are listening to this. And I have to say that if you don't mention it, it's normalized. It's going to be legal in every state soon. I think you should just pretend it's a beer and not say a word. Because I have to tell you, kids love this movie because innately they understand. And it is their job to defend themselves. They own their bodies and they want to be treated like a human being, even if they're only 15 or 16 years old. And uh, I would, I'm a big fan. I, I don't want to give it more stars or points than it deserves. So I'm also going to give it an eight, but in my heart, it is a, it's a 10. So thank you very much. All right. Very good. Well, uh, pain does not exist in this dojo. <laughs> Uh, I I really yes, enjoyed <laughs> the Cobra Kai guys at this. Uh, this is a very good movie. It does hold up. I mean, there's a little bit of cheese, of course, with just the 80s music and, and the people's um, clothing and hairstyles and all that. But it's also kind of a walk down memory lane. Uh, it is a fun movie to go back to. And, and it does hold up pretty well. I don't know if my kids are old enough to watch this just yet. I mean, they do plenty of fighting amongst themselves as it is. I don't think that exposing them to... Um, <laughs> the karate movie at this point would probably be a good idea. I might give them too many, too many ideas. They wouldn't pick up on the non-aggression component of that. They'd pick up more on the aggression side of it uh, from Crease. But there is a lot of philosophy in this, and uh, it's definitely worth uh, a watch and a revisit for all of you listeners out there to um, check this movie out and see what you can flesh out as far as uh, you know, learning how to defend yourself and have the capacity to defend yourself that that prevents people from taking advantage of you and being a bully towards you. And I think that that goes a long way in solving a lot of problems and, and becoming uh, self-reliant. Um, and it is, it is a, you know, like a coming of age story, not only for Danielson in identifying with Pat Morita's character, Miyagi as a father figure, but also with Johnny and granted, you know, they're, they're different styles and, and one is kind of doing the wrong thing and the other one's kind of doing the right thing. Uh, but it really is, uh, it stands out for people to kind of see the contrast between the two. And that that is actually very helpful to have that uh, that level of contrast. Now, there is this YouTube video that we shared with our guest uh, right before we went live on the show where Daniel is the bully. And I think it has some merit. So I'm going to put that on our show notes page at uh, lastnighters.com slash 95. You guys can check that out. It's like pretty well done. It's about four minutes long. And it basically just <clears throat> reframes the scenes where um, it's it's makes the argument that Danny might be the uh, the aggressor in many of those situations. And I don't think that they're wrong in a lot of cases because he is a bit of a hothead and he is an escalator. And uh, he, he certainly doesn't back down from a fight for the most part. 
But uh, overall, this is a really good film. Um, I'm going to go a little bit lower than you guys. Uh, so I'll go with a 7.5 on this, but uh, it is really well done and, and highly recommended. Now, um, next week, uh, we are going to be having uh, a person who I don't know if he's in the witness relocation program, witness protection, because he keeps going through name changes. But uh, Raylene, you were just on his show recently. Um, it's going to be Pete Quinones, uh, formerly known as Mance Raider, free man beyond the wall. And we're going to be doing another Kevin Costner flick with him last year. We did Dances with Wolves, and this year we're doing Waterworld. And if yes. we can, if we can can keep, can keep our streak going, uh, we will do The Postman next year uh, with with our boy Mance. So uh, look forward to that next week, everyone. And uh, Raylene, if you would like to uh, mention what your um, appearance on Mance's show was, and maybe how they can get a hold of it, we'll we'll put it on the show notes page here, of course. But uh, if you could just mention what that one was about uh, so that people are would be intrigued to go check that out. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Pete uh, just had me on his show to talk about cops with Sherry voluntary. Y'all know who she is. She's amazing. I love that woman with her Southern charm and her um, distrust of the police force as it stands because they are the standing army. Our forefathers warned us about. So let's talk about parenting our kids as anarchists and libertarians with the systemic abuse of police. Uh, go listen to that show with Pete Raymond. Um, uh, also known as Mance Raider. And I, I cannot pronounce his last name because I'm bad with accents and I don't want to sound like a racist. Can you please do that for me, Daniel? What's his new name? I think it's Pete Quinones. Yes. And he's Puerto Rican, correct? That sounds right. Yes. Yes. And so, um, but, but you all know Mance Raider from Twitter, uh, the Twitter King, the King of memes, the freedom through meanum book guy. I love him. Uh, I, I would love to consider him a friend. Honestly, I think I'm just a fangirl, but, uh, go listen to the show. All right. Very good. Well, we'll put that on our show notes page again, lastnarrative.com slash 96. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. You can also find this on the Launchpad Media as well as Raylene's show, Blast Off with Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart. Uh, Robert, any final words for our audience? Tell them what they want if they want to support us. Well, you all win big virtual hugs above the waist from Daniel and myself. All very appropriate, all very chaste. Maybe a slight peck on the cheek. Nothing, nothing too dirty. Unless you go above, I think it was the $50 level, and then it can get virtually dirty. But um, other than that, you guys can you know support us by leaving a review on the iTunes. You can you can actually go, like I said, go to the Patreon. But you can also su subscribe to us on the YouTube uh, for as long as we'll be on there. Uh, yeah, you can just uh, go to Trusher.com, buy a T-shirt. You could do all kinds of stuff. You could tell your friends about us. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's that about does it. Yeah, yeah, very good advice. I think that people should, uh, you know, they, they do have self-ownership, so they, they can take the advice or not, uh, but I highly recommend it. Uh, one slight correction, this is episode 95 of The Last Nighters, so lastnighters.com slash 95 will be the show notes and more. Uh, Raylene, thanks again for being our guest, and we will get into some Kathleen Turner Overdrive just after this, which is available for our Patreon supporters. So we'll say uh, goodnight from last night, everyone. All right, we're going to continue the transmission for just a few more minutes. Wax on and wax off just a hair longer with Raylene. I did want to mention one thing that does seem to be a violation of the spirit of the agreement. And that is when Miyagi and Danielson go to the Cobra Kai Dojo and say, okay, let's settle this at the tournament. So yeah. Kreese says, okay, nobody lay a hand on him. 
until after the tournament. Daniel then takes the next opportunity to taunt Johnny and the boys. Yeah, he does. And I think that that is a tacit violation of the agreement that was put in place and that the boys had every uh, every reason to be upset by that and um, seek to you know intervene. In, Wait a minute. No, taunting is not, that is not a violation. So I'm going to disagree with you. And I'm going to tell you why. This comes great. They already fucking hate each other. They already fucking hate each other. They can look at each other and do and make hand signals at each other and just, you know, pelvic thrusts, little pictures that they draw. They could do they could do sign language. They can do whatever they want to. Don't lay hands because that is the initiation of aggression. So I have to say, Daniel is a little twerp. He's a little douchebag. Yeah, yeah. But he I think for some the, the power went to his head. He is a scrawny little nerd. You're not wrong. You were right. <laughs> right and he felt like drunk with the power because miyagi made that happen and honestly i think that it's his love affair with miyagi and having this new japanese old man dad i think was really good for him and but i i think he just couldn't believe it happened and then he had to test it out and he was showing off and he's an asshole but not a violation okay well i mean he's a bit of a taunting fuck but he is uh he is trying <laughs> to show off right in front of ali but i do yeah, think that there is why. a there is a place where words do cross a line uh, to where you're inviting uh, consequences. You're, you're inviting uh, mm-hmm. somebody to respond. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that line might be different for, for different people. It's primal social behavior. So do you think it is the threat of force? Or do you think that, I mean, honestly, if someone comes up and starts graphically describing how they're going to F your mother, and you know they're not actually going to F your mother, I think they deserve a punch in the face. And I know that the NAP, uh, the the worshippers of NAP are going to get mad at me about that. But you go anywhere and you start saying that stuff to somebody, you're going to get punched in the face and you deserve it. Well, because right? you're you're basically inviting it. I mean, you, in, in a way, you're tacitly authorizing it to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Robert, I, Robert you want to jump in on this? Well, I was going to just jump in and say that, uh, yeah, in most societies, I would say that there is, if not all of them, Mm-hmm. There is a threshold upon which certain words are fighting words. And I think most people are, even people who strongly believe in the NAP, recognize that, okay, you, you've crossed the line and you are inviting some sort of physical response here. I don't think enough people do. Okay. <clears throat> in our circles, I don't think, and I think some people take the NAP to, and I respect it because I, I'm a logiker, so I really like that. But uh, you know, they'll say, unless it was this and this bad and uh, the threat of force and it was legitimate. But if somebody is coming up and harassing you up in your bubble and they're saying things in front of your children, they're saying things about your mother, your wife, your wife, honestly, I want my husband to lay them out. Now, I mean, not if it's on the internet and not they're just saying shit like that, you know, stupid. But if there there are certain circumstances where I would want him to lay them out. So am I am I wrong? Just and what do you guys think? Well, I would say that when you are acting that way, mm-hmm. um, there's almost no way you're not gonna pay some kind of price. Like either right. you're gonna pay the dick price and the person you're ridiculing and people that witness this are not gonna want to hang out with you. You're gonna right. you're gonna sit you're gonna face that ostracism. So you are yeah. going to face some sort of retribution, whether or not it's uh, a punch to the face. Or a free association. Right, right. So uh, I, I don't think that that behavior is like the menace that, you know, if we all believe the NIP and everybody follows the NIP, then we're just going to have these assholes running around all over the place and then nobody's going to do anything about it. I, 
I, I think that that people are such social animals. Yeah. That they're not going to want to be perceived as the asshole all the time. I mean, people get, you know, when people get drunk, they, they can be an asshole and they can act like a dick and then they'll mm-hmm. hate themselves and regret it when they're sober up and whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we're in a society where people don't even feel like it's, they're allowed to question a seven-year-old transitioning into a different gender because their mom wants people to think that she's cool. I mean, there is something seven years old, seven, that's first grade. Be careful. I I caught a Facebook ban for that. Oh, did you really? (laughs) Yeah, for talking about it. Okay. That's insane. And I I feel like I'm such an open-minded person and I want everyone to feel loved. Hang on, Daniel did use hate speech when he was discussing it. Yes, I, I used the short term or short short word for transmission. Wait, isn't that crazy that that's what people that I, okay? So when I worked at the grocery store and I people call themselves that people yeah. used to call themselves that. Oh sure, oh, sure. a few years ago. Yeah, that's oh, why yeah. I didn't think it was a hate word or whatever. Keep up with the times, bigot. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you know, I I was I was going to tweet something the other day. I don't know if I did it or not, but I was like. You know, call me old fashioned, but can't we just raise our kids non-binary instead of giving them hormones? I mean, like, since when was there no middle ground between, like, um, you're a boy, you're a girl, and and I, I again, no hate, all love, um, for for small children to so we're just leaping over, let them be who they want to be and don't label them into. Yep, you're labeled because you said this, and now you're stuck with that decision forever even though you're seven. I mean, but people aren't even, nobody feels like they can say anything about it. You know, how many people are so silent on this topic because they don't want to be looked at as a bigot, uh, myself included. The fact that I had to think 14 times about posting something about it scares me. Yeah, it's a chilling effect. What the fuck is wrong with me that I feel like I'm not allowed to say it because I don't want people to get the wrong idea about me. What? It's a seven-year-old child. Uh, no, like I, I, some things, I don't want to be that influenced by, by our culture. And, um, I'm not, I have no hate in me. I am like the nicest person. Not really. Who's the nicest person? Everyone who says they're a nice person is bullshit, but I really want to be the nicest person ever. Right. (laughs) And then here I'm like, okay, am I allowed to say something about this? Is it, am I, everyone going to ban me on Twitter for saying that I think this might be a little bit of an overreach at seven to give a child hormones, which are known for giving people blood clots and just aneurysms and who other side effects. Like what are we doing? I don't know. Yeah. These are good questions. These are good questions. And we can get into this a little bit further in the uh, actual Kathleen Turner overdrive that we can get into right after this. So, uh, sorry. I thought we were there. I apologize. No, we're almost there. We're almost there. This is the end of uh, the actual anarchy episode. So this is episode 152, the show notes tomorrow at actualanarchy.com slash 152. Hit us up on the old Patreon at actualanarchy.com slash Patreon. And uh, we'll be back next week with Pete Quinones, also known as Mance Raider, uh, formerly known as Pete Raymond, uh, for the Kevin Costner epic Waterworld, which rules uh, Jim Carrey's character in Cable Guy saw it six times and really loved it. So uh, be back with us next week and uh, maximum freedom, everyone. Banzai. C-H-I-P-M-U-N-K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do, do.
テレレレテテテレレレデイズ Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com.